This Student Ministry 127 podcast is a lesson taught by Brother Larry Chapel during a Wednesday night teen Bible study at Lancaster Baptist Church. Brother Chapel is a graduate of West Coast Baptist College and now serves as the Senior High Youth Pastor at Lancaster Baptist Church. For more sermon resources, please visit preaching.lancasterbaptist.org. One of the worst descriptors in today's vocabulary would be uh, satanic. That's something... We can say someone's ugly or fat or stupid, but we don't throw the word satanic around too lightly. Uh, That's something that we reserve for really, really bad people. Uh, Satanic is about one of the worst descriptors uh, that we can give something. And every once in a while we do give give that uh, description out to certain things. There are certain forms of music that really are satanic. Uh, There are certain philosophies that are satanic, meaning... They are representative of Satan. There are certain things that are satanic. There have been certain people throughout history that we can even say, man, these people, uh, they were satanic. But we usually reserve that for the worst of the worst. I pulled a few pictures up here and I Googled. Who are the most, who, who are the, who would be some of the worst people? And the first one, obviously, that comes up is Hitler. Hitler, during his time, to make a more pure race, uh, killed 1,550, 1.5 million Jews <laughs> uh, during the Holocaust. The Bible says, and we learned Sunday in Sunday morning service, that the Jews are God's chosen people. God honors those who blesses his people. And uh, Adolf Hitler decided to kill a million and a half of them. And uh, as you look study history, this is one of the most evil men that ever lived. We would call him, even some have called him, satanic. Uh, Let's look at our next guy. Next guy around the same time frame, uh, Joseph Stalin. Joseph Stalin in similar similar fashion in uh, Soviet Russia killed over two million people. And uh, so here's two people that we say, these are wicked, satanic type people. Here's the third person. This is Ivan the Terrible. Ivan the Terrible was one of the first czars of Russia. This guy was so horrible that uh, he, with his men, one day surrounded the city. And uh, they literally starved the city from the inside out. And everyone that tried to exit the city, they were killed. And they killed 1,500 a day for weeks and weeks upon months. They did this. He killed a whole bunch of people. He was so uh, horrible of a person uh, that he killed his son. Uh, He claimed to have done so in an accident. His son did something Got him really upset. He hits his son with such uh, force that he kills his son. His daughter uh, was pregnant, and he was he uh, he didn't like something that his daughter had said or done. Got so mad, he hit his daughter in the stomach and killed the baby. So this guy was a pretty pretty bad dude. And, and you you look through uh, history, and and these are some really bad guys uh, that we would give the descriptor of satanic to. We think of modern-day people, you know, we think of people like uh, Osama bin Laden, and some people I've heard given that descriptor, and really, he's a horrible person. I would describe him as satanic, but nothing in comparison to what Adolf Hitler did. Then there's some people that are, you think of the serial killers of today, think of the Green River Killer in Washington State, killed over 100 people, a serial killer. Then Donald Gaskins. Uh, over 110 people this guy killed. Ted Bundy. Uh, the list goes on and on. 
in even our nation's history, these people that are wicked and satanic. Although there are a lot of people who we could say, man, they are satanic, there is only one person that, is, that we can give the title to as Satan, the deceiver. Uh, these ser- serial killers that I read just a moment ago, uh, I would imagine that at the time when they were on their killing sprees, killing people, uh, there was at the same time a group of law enforcement who was hot on their tail trying to catch these guys. And every time that they arrived at the scene, they gathered the evidence because they wanted to learn as much as they could ab- about the killer. And the more they could learn about the killer, the more uh, information they had, the better they were equipped to hunt them down and to capture them. So that's a little bit what we're going to do tonight. We're going to talk about, and actually we won't do this just tonight. We're going to, this is going to be kind of an intermittent series. Uh, we'll, we'll, throughout the summer, we'll hit the subject. Uh, whenever I'm in here teaching, this is what we're going to talk about. But we're going to start on this, and we're going to study a little bit about who Satan is, his avers- our adversary, and some of his tactics. Let me say one more thing. As we talk about Satan, we could, we could get really eccentric and try to make this spooky and scary and talk about demons. We can, you know, look up scary videos on the internet. You know, we're not going to do that, okay? But what we want to do is take a very balanced biblical approach, okay? I don't think that we should, I don't think that we should make light of who Satan is because the Bible doesn't make light of who he is. The Bible warns us repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. In fact, one of the things that the devil would want you to do is make light of who he is and what he can do. So we're not going to make light of him. That's what Hollywood does. You know, we've got uh, pictures of our mind or what he is and what he looks like. And we can't even imagine how horrible of a person uh, he is. So we're not going to make light of it. But at the same time, we're not going to go to the other extreme and, you know, credit Satan with things that he didn't even do, you know. Uh, so we're going to try to take a balanced biblical approach, learning more about who he is. Uh, we, we learned in here a few months ago about God and how awesome he is. And I think... That ought to be the primary focus of our worship, okay? We're not going to come in here every week and talk about Satan, okay? This is a rare thing that we're going to do. But we do need to be sober and vigilant. We do need to know about Satan, okay? So for every, every ten lessons you'll hear about the greatness of God, we're going to talk about Satan, who he is, so that we can know uh, how we can better defend ourselves against him, okay? The first thing that you see in your notes is Satan's target, and that is your mind. Satan's target, your mind. 2 Corinthians 11.3 says, But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. I love this verse. And sometimes we come across verses that speak to us in, in a different way, and this is one of them. Uh, 2 Corinthians here references the passage we just read in Genesis chapter 3, okay? We're going to come back to Genesis chapter 3 in a minute and do somewhat of a case study. We're going to look at actually what happened there in the garden. But 2 Corinthians references it, and he talks about, uh, Paul, as he writes this, talks about how the battlefield is the minds. He says, so your minds should be corrupted. Uh, And then from what? From the simplicity that is in Christ, and you know what? That's such the honest truth today. What the Bible teaches and God's will for our life is not very... It's, it's, it's difficult to live out the Christian life, but it's not difficult to understand. 
And really, the principles in God's Word and what God would have us to do are actually simple. The devil's lies and traps are so complex, you'll get caught up in them so quickly, you'll get caught up, uh, chewed up and spit out before you even knew what happened. And so, uh, Paul, right in here, talks about the warning of, of making sure that your mind's right, not letting your minds be corrupted, uh, like as Eve in the garden through the subtlety of Satan uh, should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. So the, the target of Satan has always been and will always be your mind and my mind. That is the target and that is the battlefield. Why? Because if, cha- if, if, if Satan can change how you think about something, he can change how you behave about something. Uh, how many of you guys ever seen someone that just like their mind was totally fried? You know, maybe at Walmart or something like that. I mean, brother, sister, or something. Uh, you go. I'm not talking about someone who was who was born with a mental handicap. I'm talking about someone who had some too much recreational drug use and just fried their mind. Okay, uh, and their just mind is not there. And how do they act? They act crazy, and they talk crazy because their mind is gone. The Bible talks about how we are uh, created in the image of God and our minds are our connection to God. And and, and God repeatedly talks about the importance of having a mind that is transformed and renewed. Uh, The devil and, and Satan and culture will try to downplay the importance of your mind. It's your mind. It doesn't matter how you think. It doesn't matter how... And you know what? The Bible does the exact opposite. It really plays up the importance and the significance of your mind. So Satan's target is your mind. The Bible, as we said, emphasizes the importance of the mind. The world uh, minimizes the importance of the mind. Uh, Philippians 4.8 says this. Finally, brethren, and this is a good verse to keep in mind for this summer. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And what Paul is saying here is that there has to be some criteria for what enters your mind. Uh, in, In our house... Uh, I, some people, how, how many of you guys, your, your family's like, every time you enter the house, you've got to take your, your shoes off, you know, just your socks. Anyone like that? My, my mom used to always do that, and that lasted for like a day, and then everyone's wearing their shoes in and out. We're, we're not quite that strict because we have a lot of tile in our house, but you know what? I, I'm pretty cautious about who or what I let into my house. Uh, I don't want someone coming and tracking mud all the way up and down the hallways of my house. Because, why? What they bring in is going to affect me. We ought to guard our minds. And we ought to, everything that comes through, we ought to put it to the test. Is it honest? Is it just? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Why? Because the things that come into our mind then have the opportunity to affect how we think. And I've, I've seen far too many uh, teenagers come through the youth group that their mind was, was good. Their mind was innocent and pure when they were in seventh grade. And, you know, they, were, they had a desire to serve the Lord. And all of a sudden, the combination of the wrong music the wrong movies, the wrong friends, all these things got invited to their mind. Their heart was pure. I mean, they didn't mean anything by it, but all those things came in and had an effect on how they behaved. 
The battlefield is your mind. Guard your mind. Uh, be careful about what you let into your mind. Your thinking affects your feeling and it affects what you're willing to do. Proverbs 23.7 says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Uh, as you think in your heart, what you're okay to think about, you'll one day be okay to do. And that's why you, the battlefield starts in the mind. The honest truth is this. No one can read your mind. Only you and God know what's going on in your mind, even right now. It's between you and God. Okay? So every once in a while, some will come, maybe you youth activity, maybe it's in school, and their behavior is all out of line. And sometimes we'll say, maybe we'll even try to correct it. Maybe myself or Brother Schmidt or maybe one of the teachers will correct that and say, hey, we ought not to act that way. Or we ought not to talk that way. And it's good. We should correct it. And we are going to continue to do that. But honestly, before that behavior ever happened, there was a battle going on in the mind. Before someone ever swears or even dresses a certain way, talks a certain way, watches certain things, something happened in the mind first that gave that person the green light. That's where the battle takes place. In your mind. So, like the Bible says, we are to be renewed uh, in our mind. Uh, not conformed to this world, but transformed, the Bible teaches us. So, first of all, we see the, the target in the battlefield is our minds. Let's notice, secondly, Satan's weapons. Lies. He uses lies. Now, as we study tonight, we're studying Satan as the deceiver. I meant to bring in uh, a list. I had a list, uh, and I forgot to, to paste it into my notes. But the names of Satan throughout the Bible. Uh, Satan, just as we're kind of still introducing this topic, uh, Satan was a fallen angel by the name of Lucifer. Okay, uh, he, uh, the Bible says, was a beautiful, beautiful angel. And his first mess up was that he took glory that belonged to God to himself. It was pride that caused uh, Satan to fall. And uh, you can read about that in Isaiah chapter 14. And uh, that's a little bit of the background of who he is. But tonight we're talking about who Satan is as a deceiver. That's, that's what we're studying tonight. So his weapon is lies. And we're going to do a case study in uh, the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 3, of which we just read. Okay? This is a familiar story, so we're not going to go over it with a fine tooth comb, but we're going to look at a few very important things uh, to look at. Uh, the first thing we see, these are in your notes but are not on the screen, uh, is that he questioned God's word. He questioned God's word. What is the first thing that Satan did? Satan's tactics is that he will question God's word. Look at verse number 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said? And he questioned God's word. He questioned whether or not, he questioned whether or not, did God really say that? Is that really the story here? Uh, you know, we'll experience the same thing. Is that, someone will come to you and say, does your, does your church really believe that? A lot of times, a lot of times what they're saying is false. A lot of times it's just a rumor that's gone around. But hey, does your church really believe that uh, sex outside of marriage is wrong? I mean, seriously? In today's society, does your church still believe that? You hear that on the news a lot. God's word, God's authority is questioned. Some of your parents will say, hey, I don't want you to do this, sum this, this summer. I don't want you to go to this place. I don't want you to watch this. I don't want you to do this. And you'll talk to your friend, and your friend's like, no, no, no. 
your parents will be cool with it. They won't know. You know, they don't. They don't mean that. They, they probably watched that when they were, you know, a teen themselves. Uh, God's word being questioned. That's the first thing that Satan did here in this passage. He questioned God's word. Guys, study God's word in your on your own in uh, team Bible study in your Sunday school classes. And, and when something's given to us, we should not have a mind to question. This is God's word, and this is truth. And as we open it, we have to accept it and receive it, the Bible says, as truth. This is not up for grabs, discussion, debate. This is God's word given to us, the principles by which we should live our lives. So God's word is not up for discussion. Uh, the first thing that Satan will do is he'll question God's word. And then the second thing that Satan does is that he denies God's word. Verse number four, he questions God's word, then he denies God's word. He said in verse number four, after he has this conversation with Eve, and the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. He questions God's word. And look, if, if you're okay questioning God's word, you're already down a road uh, of deceit. The, the devil has already got his hook in your mouth. If you're okay to question, I believe we should be informed, intelligent Christians. If I point out your name tonight, and I would point to you and say, hey, why don't we do this? You know, why don't we consume alcohol? Or why do we do this? Or why don't I believe that you should be able to give me an answer? Why don't we go to this place? Why don't we watch this on television? I believe, not me explain it to you, I believe that you should explain it to me, be able to. And if you're not able to do that, that's something that you need to work on. I, I think we need to be intelligent uh, Christians who know the Word of God and know how it applies to our lives. Uh, I don't think that we should create some robots here, okay? We're not turning people around and you know, programming the back of their heads and saying, hey, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, yes, do this, don't do this, you know, and then have a great life. Look up here. That's not what this youth ministry is about. This youth ministry is about teaching you the principles in God's Word so that you can have the discernment to make wise choices and do wise things because of the principles that you have learned. So understand God's Word, believe it, know it for yourself, but don't question it. It's okay to understand and ask yourself, why do we do this? From, from the standpoint of God, I want to know more about you. I want to know uh, why we don't go to this place. Uh, you know, why don't we, why we don't say these things? Or why don't we, we don't think this is funny? Okay? I do think it's important that we do know why. But our questioning from God should not always be like, why, why, why? The burden of proof should not be on God to explain to us why something is bad. The burden of proof is on us to explain to God why it's good and going to exalt His holiness. Alright, so Satan uh, lies. He questions God's word. He denies God's word. Once you're willing to question God's word, it's not long before you deny it. Here's, here's God had specifically told Adam and Eve just a few specific things. I mean, they hadn't been around very long. This, they, they hadn't been uh, on the earth. We as human beings hadn't been on the earth very long before we were messing up. God gave them specific instructions. They heard it with their own ears, unlike a conversation that we have today. Here's Adam and Eve enjoyed a unique fellowship with God. And they audibly talked with God. And they audibly heard God say, hey, 
don't do this and do do this. They heard it with their own ears and Satan came and said, God never said that. They had heard it with their own ears. Once you deny God's word, you start to believe a lie. I was telling our Sunday school class this past Sunday that habitual liars, they'll tell a lie so often they begin to believe it themselves. Uh, They'll tell a lie so many times, so many times, so many times, they begin to believe it themselves. And that is one of the tricks of the devil. He'll get you to question God's word, question God's word, question God's word. Why is homosexuality wrong? Every day on television, why is homosexuality wrong? Why is homosexuality wrong? If you don't know, and if you haven't studied out the answer to that, and that's all you hear every day, why is that wrong? Why is that wrong? You know what? Eventually, here you are in your earlier 20s, and you're like, maybe it's not so wrong. Because you've questioned it, now you've denied it. So Satan, uh, he questions God's word, then he denies God's word, and then he substitutes uh, his own lie. He substitutes his own lie. He's, uh, verse number five. For God doth know that in the day ye shall eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open. And then here's what he says. He says, look, the reason that God doesn't want you eating of this tree is this. When you eat it, ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Okay? Nowhere did God say that. That was something that Satan just pulled out of thin air. This was a bold-faced lie. And you know what? Satan still feeds these lies to us today. Hey, your parents don't want you to do that. Not to protect you. You know, not to put some boundaries and some guidelines. They, they just don't want you to have fun. And they don't want to pay for that. And they, You know what? The devil feel, still feeds us these similar types of lies. So he substitutes his own lie. He, he said, uh, verse number 5, And ye shall be as gods. Ye shall be as gods. So Satan's tactics, he questions God's word, he denies God's word, he substitutes his own line. He says, ye shall be as gods. And then we see here, uh, secondly, Satan's lie is this. You will be like God. You will be like God. So Satan's tactics and then Satan's lie is this. You will be like God. And that's his, that's his lie to this day. When we think of when we think of someone who's, you know, God or godlike, maybe like the Greeks used to think of the different gods. These were all powerful beings, you know, and they were gods because they had control and authority. Okay? So I think if I were to go down the road and ask you, are you God? Are you God? I think every single one of us would say, I can't believe you're even asking this. Of course I'm not God. Okay? But then a lot of times we give ourselves the authority like we are God. That's what it boils down to. The God of your life is who you've given the most authority to. Now, he may not be the one true God. Many people give their lives to the God of entertainment. That's what they live their lives for. That is their God because he gets all their attention, all of their affection. And Satan's lies, you will be like God, basically saying, hey, why don't you take back some of the control? Why don't you, why don't you rather than spend your time worshiping God, reading His Word, why don't you just listen to yourself a little bit more? Uh, this this uh, type of thinking is interwoven with our society so closely today. You talk to people that, you know, maybe they're secular, maybe they didn't grow up in church, they don't have that foundation, that Christian foundation. And uh, around graduation time, a lot of things we say here around church might sound funny to the unsaved. We, we, we just say, hey man, stay in love with God. Pursue God's will. Keep your eyes focused on him. You know the unsaved person that sounds silly? 
You know what they tell uh, their family members when they graduate high school? Man, trust your heart. You know, be all you can be. You know, it all comes back to you doing really great things. And that's what the devil wants from us. He wants us to be all that we can be and miss out what God wants us to do. And he wants us to trust our hearts because the Bible says our hearts are desperately wicked and deceitful. And so what, what Satan's lie is that you will be like God's. Not that you're going to have your own planet, you're going to be able to fly around you know, from here to there. That's not what he's saying. He's saying you can take control of your life. And you can. But it's a really, really bad decision to do that. So keep your eyes focused on God, the one true God. So Satan's lie was, you will be like God. And let's look at Eve's response. Eve's response. She did a few things. First of all, when she had this interaction with the devil, first of all, she took away from God's word. Uh, look at here in uh, verse number one. It said, and he said to the woman, Okay, verse number two. And the woman said unto the servant, uh, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. Okay, first thing that she did is she took away from God's word. If you go back a chapter, I believe it's uh, Genesis 2, verses 16, the Bible says this, And the Lord God commanded man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. Okay, you read Eve's response to Satan, and Satan says, What's the deal with all these trees? And Eve says, uh, he said we can eat of the tree. He, she leaves out the word freely. She, she subtracts from God's word. And when you begin to believe Satan lies, all of a sudden there's things that you, uh, you start to forget. Uh, there's things uh, that you've been taught your whole life that start to become omitted from your mind. Uh, she leaves out God's word. She takes away from God's word. What, what else did she do? She adds to God's word. She took away from God's word. So conveniently took away from God's word. Some people, man, they so conveniently want to ignore this or this or this rule from God's word. You know, there are some things in God's word that are really hard to work around in our society. The one that always comes to my mind that uh, the Bible tells us not to set any wicked thing before our eye. But then we excuse certain things. We look at the ratings on the back of the movie, and we say, oh, the world approves of it. It's, you know, it's, only, it's only PG-13. It's not even the worst. You know? uh, and what we like to do is we like to conveniently forget things. Uh, I don't know about you. When I was growing up in high school, sometimes my dad would tell me, man, don't do this. And I would act like I didn't hear it. And I go to a friend's house anyway, and I come back, and I try to play that game with my dad. Oh, I... Oh, I didn't know you mean not go to his house, you know. I thought you meant, like, you know, not go out of town with him or something. I didn't know him at your house, you know. And I knew exactly what he said. And sometimes we play that game. We conveniently forget things. So Eve conveniently took away from God's word. Then she added to it, verse number three. She added the phrase, uh, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, Okay. Now, you take the time on your little homework assignment and go back to the previous passage. Nowhere does God say anything about touching it. She added to God's word. You know what the devil will try to get you to do? He'll try to even add to your thinking, man, you can't even do this or you can't do this. Or, uh, he'll add 
He'll take away from God's word and then he'll add his own counterfeit. So Eve took away from God's word. Then she added to it. And then she changed words. Verse number three. It says, uh, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Okay, And that's not the same wording that God's word. God's word says, you will surely die. Lest ye die is a little weaker rendition of that. It's a little bit more forgiving. Like, lest is like maybe you're going to die. Okay, the passage before is like, surely you're going to get messed up. Okay, look up here. A lot of what we teach you from the principles in God's word Surely, these are the principles of God's Word. Look at this way. When you start to live a certain way, and when you start to allow certain behaviors to become the norm in your life, when you watch certain things and listen to certain things and go certain places, surely, from the principles in God's Word, that is going to take an effect and a toll on your life. It's not maybe it might happen. It is a matter of surely it's going to happen. So when you study God's Word and you study the warnings in God's Word about the fool and then the, the, the following destruction, that destruction is not something that may happen. You know, you look at the tag on a piece of furniture that you buy and say, you know, you know eat this or you know, uh, do this the wrong way and you might just die. And you think, yeah, that's for the, like, the one point. Zero, 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 you know, percent of all the idiots in the world that are going to die from this. You know, you look at all these retarded warnings on on you know blunt objects, and it's like, who ever got hurt from this? But somebody did, and that's why they put it on there. And so that's not how the warnings are in God's word. They're not meant for the really, really stupid, retarded people. No, they're not for everyone. They're meant for everyone. So she takes away from God's word. She adds to it. Then she changes it. Satan feeds lies. Here's the last thing I'll say about Satan. Satan, his very appearance was a lie. We think of snakes. and Man, snakes are kind of creepy. I had a snake in my backyard. It seems like every summer I, I find a snake in my backyard or front yard. They're kind of creepy animals, okay? Satan appeared to Eve as a serpent, okay? A little bit different than what we know today, but he appeared to Eve as a serpent. But you know what? That was not his true form. When God created, uh, when God created Satan, he did not create a serpent. He created an angel. And as we study Satan, know this, that one of his most damaging, one of his most harmful, one of his most dangerous attributes is that he can take something that's really bad and, and change it. He can be deceitful. He wasn't a serpent. And we think of a snake today and we're like, man, that's pretty, that's fitting of Satan because those are, they're, you know, they're venomous and everything. But that's not who Satan was. He was deceptive. He, he, was, he was deceptive. His very demeanor was deceptive. And the Bible says he was subtle. That's the other thing. What the devil would like to get you to do especially some of you guys that just graduated, what the devil would like you to do is to, is to make subtle changes. You guys will experience a lot more freedom right now. And actually, this is one of the best times of your life. Uh, especially if you've got a good biblical foundation. You're going to have a lot of fun. You're going you're gonna to make some mistakes. But you know, if you stay close to God's word, things are going to be great. And it's going to be an awesome time. What the devil would like you to do is just tweak little changes along the way. Uh, 
because you are going to have a little bit more say so. You know, your parents aren't going to be monitoring your Facebook forever. Okay, uh, you're going to be able to know where you want to go, what you're going to listen to, and what the devil would like you to do is tweak little things along the way, just little minor adjustments, and pretty soon you don't even realize it, and you're completely off course. The devil never does this. Hey, Dante, I've got a whole another alternate life for you. It's got drugs, and you know, it's got a wrecked marriage, and it's got this and that, and hey, do you want this? Dante would be like, yeah, right, forget that, I don't want that. Uh, but what he will do to you is, is give you little alternative options, little tweaks along the way. So even his appearance was a lie. The Bible says that he, uh, we learn from the Bible that Satan is a master counterfeit. There's counterfeit Christians in Matthew 12, 38. There's a counterfeit or a false fake, deceptive gospel in Galatians 1.8. Satan has counterfeit ministers, uh, 2 Corinthians 11.14. There's counterfeit righteousness, things that look good, but it's actually wrong, Romans 10.3. There's a counterfeit church, Revelations 2.9, that teaches counterfeit doctrine, 1 Timothy 4.1. And, and ultimately, that church will produce a counterfeit Christ, the Antichrist, Revelation 13.8. So all I say this to say is Satan is a liar. Who he is is a liar. Every trap he's got is a lie. He's deceptive. He's a liar. He cannot be trusted and he cannot be underestimated. So that's Satan's weapon is lie. Let's look at this thirdly. Satan's purpose is this. To make you ignorant of God's will. To make you ignorant of God's will. Acts 22.14. We'll be done here in a few minutes. Acts 22.14, and he said, the, gods, the God of our fathers hath chosen thee, that thou shouldest know his will, and see that just one, and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth. The whole point here is, uh, God wants us to know his will, letter A. God wants us to know his will. Uh, Satan's game plan is, is predictable. What he wants you to do is be ignorant of God's will. Uh, I, was, I was picking up something last night. I was with Brother Husband, and we were driving down uh, the, the 215 freeway. And I'm driving, I'm driving with the church's box truck. We're, making, we're, we're picking something up. And uh, I've driven that thing a few times. I've, Brother Husband's driven a few times. He'll load that thing up for team, uh, spring banquet and team camp and stuff. We'll, we'll use that here and there. But uh, I was driving last night. I've driven a few times. I hate driving that thing, you know. Uh, you get in the seat. Well, actually, the seat's the coolest part about it because you get in the seat of this box truck and the seat like, goes like this. It's, it's actually kind of fun when you hit a bump, you know. It's like, it's like a roller coaster. But driving it when it's windy, you know, it goes every which way. It's not, it's not a fun thing to drive. I don't know why those particular type, types of trucks, you know, they've got a big box at the end of them, but they don't make you get a CDL license. You don't have to have, like, a commercial truck driver's license to drive the thing. Just any, anyone... Uh, with a regular driver's license, could drive that truck. I don't know why they do that, because it's, it's, it's retarded, because you've got the air brakes and everything you've got to worry about, and I'm, I'm scared to drive that thing. Well, we're driving last night, and one thing I do know is that I, I want to uh, pay special attention to the laws. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to, I wasn't speeding. You know, first of all, well, the thing couldn't speed if you wanted it to. Um, <laughs> but I was paying attention to uh, the speedometer, I made sure that everywhere I went, I turned the, the blinker on. And even when you turn the blinker on, it's like a normal car is like, beep, beep, 
deek, deek, real subtle. This one's like, <coughs> like, made me not want to use my blinker, but I knew I probably should use my blinker. I always check in my mirrors. I'm trying to be safe. Okay, so I get on the 138, 138 to the 15 freeway. And uh, sure enough, the whole way, I don't know if it was because of Memorial Day or whatever, uh, but they had CHP police officers everywhere. And then every time I saw one, I would get like really scared. I'm thinking, I don't even know if this truck is insured or anything, you know. I'm like, you know, please, Lord, don't let me get pulled over for anything retarded. And I literally, I'm driving so safe because of that. Sure enough, I'm going on 138, and it's, I see this CHP police officer way ahead, and he pulls in behind me just because I happen to be in the next car. So I wasn't too worried because I didn't do anything wrong. He didn't pull out over fast or anything. And he was following me for about five minutes. And any of you guys that drive in here, it just makes you nervous, you know, when a police officer is behind. You can have your registration, your license. You could be doing everything right, and it still makes you nervous, okay? So here I am in this box truck. I'm like, I, hope, I wish this guy would just get around me. So then we finally get on the freeway, and he has ample opportunity to pass me. You know, all four lanes are open. No one's on the road but me, and he decides to just stay behind me for like two or three minutes. And I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> I'm getting like so nervous. And then, and then as I'm driving, I, I go past this other uh, on-ramp, and there's other semi coming, you know. And uh, so I, I need to get out of the way from him because I'm like one of the other truckers on the road now. And I uh, put, my, put my blinker on, and, 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 and right at the time I was going over, the, the police officer, he was going to pass me, but then he doesn't, you know, because I just about cut him off. I'm like, I'm going to get a ticket. So then he just keeps on following me. This makes me really ups really nervous, and I'm like starting to get upset. Like, either give me a ticket or leave me alone, but don't just follow me like this forever. <laughs> and so the Lord answered my prayer, and his lights and sirens go off, <laughs> and he pulls me over. So I pull over, and I'm thinking, I don't think I did anything wrong. And uh, he comes up to me. And tells me I didn't stop at the scales. If you've ever been on the freeway, you know, sometimes when you're driving along, there's a sign that said scales on. And you see all these trucks, like 18 million of them lined up, you know, and they're all going through the scales. Okay. Apparently, the truck that I was driving was cool enough to qualify to have to go into the scales. And uh, as he's telling me, he's like, yeah, this truck, a lot of people don't know it, but the box trucks have to go through the scales. I'm like, uh -huh, uh -huh. Meanwhile, 18-wheel rig four, like, passing us. I'm like, what about them? You're picking on me. And so he wants to see my driver's license. He wants to inspect the back of the truck and everything. He's just going on and on and on. He comes back, and I, I told him. I said, you know what? Uh, I just didn't know about this at all, you know. Uh, I didn't, I don't drive, I've, this is, like, my third time to ever drive this thing, and I just didn't know that you're supposed to do this. I said, I see those signs on all the time, and I see just regular trucks just, blow past them all the time. I just figure, you know, maybe it was like a special club you had to be in to go there. <laughs> I didn't know, just me, your, your everyday box truck had to pull over. And he said, no. He said, uh, okay, this one's on me. I'm not going to give you a ticket. I love when they say that. I just want to like peel out right then. <laughs> See you later. But uh, I didn't. He's like, this one's on me. And I'm like, I'm wanting to smile, but I'm acting like really serious. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> That's all I heard was this one on me. And then he said, most people don't know this, but it's actually uh, a misdemeanor to go through that. And I'm like, man, that's a bummer. I, don't, I wouldn't want a ticket like that on my record. And uh, you know what the bottom line with that was? I was completely ignorant. I had no idea. I had no idea that truck was supposed to stop at the scales. But you know what? If he had decided to give me a ticket in a court of law, that would not have held up. I just didn't know. That is how the devil works with us. He wants to use the, the lie that, hey, I just didn't know. Uh, he wants to make us ignorant. So God wants to make us ignorant. Uh, letter A, 
He wants us to know his will. Letter B, God wants us to understand his will. And I'm going to give you these quickly because we're just about done. Letter C. God wants us to be filled with the desire to do his will. Okay, It's not just about avoiding traps. It's about wanting to actually do his will from the heart. God's will is not a duty, it's a delight. Let me give you these last few blanks and we'll be done. Your defense is the word of God. Your defense is the word of God. How, what do we have to do to the word of God to make it our defense? You must know it, first of all. To know it, you've got to read it. You've got to study it. Then the Bible says you've got to memorize it. Psalms 119.11. This is not new stuff, but how often we all struggle with this. We must memorize God's word. We must thoroughly meditate on God's word. Verses there that go along, we must meditate on God's word. Memorize, meditate. And then finally, we must use God's word. What good would it be had the SEAL Team 6 on their way in to, to kill Osama bin Laden? What good would it have been had they had all the equipment they had, had they had the guns, had they had the training, had they had the night vision goggles, had they had the cameras on their helmets and, and whatever else they use that we don't even know about. What good would it have been had they gone into that complex but not used any of it? It would have been retarded. I think the mission would have had a different outcome. Know the strategy of Satan. The first thing we saw that tonight is that he is the deceiver. He is deceptive. He likes to make things that are really bad Take them, package them, make them look good. He likes to take things that are really good and wholesome for you and package them and make them look boring and make them look insignificant. See through the lens of Scripture with God's eyes and uh, be sober and vigilant, always looking out for the devil. Thank you for listening to this Student Ministry 127 podcast. For more sermon resources, visit preaching.lancasterbaptist.org. And for information about West Coast Baptist College, visit wcbc.edu.